to In the Vein, a podcast by students at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. My name is Molly Murphy. I'm a member of the class of 2025, and this is a segment called The Inside Scope, where I interview current students about their academic experiences in the hopes of providing tips, tricks, and general advice to the next class. Alrighty, so I am here with an MS2, um, Elijah Hale. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, I'm Elijah. I'm in the children's track. I'm from Rochester, New York, originally, and then came out to Colorado for med school. Nice. That's that's about it. Yeah. Nice. The life story. Um, alrighty. So we are doing this segment to kind of pass advice down to the next cl- incoming class, um, which hopefully will be valuable regardless, but especially given this new curriculum change. Um, and yeah, the LIC is just a completely new model that uh, CU has been testing out for years. But our class, the MS2's um, class of 2025, is the first class to go through mm-hmm. this, like no longer hybrid, just full-blown LIC. Many people probably don't realize, especially the MS1's, is that every LIC site is very different. And mm-hmm. the experiences are, in, including just scheduling, is so different. So let's start with why, why don't you speak to like why you chose children's? And also having now been through most of the year, both LIC outpatient mm-hmm. weeks and immersions, um, what your experience as a whole has been like compared to what you thought it was going to be like. Yeah. Um, I chose children's because I want to go into child psychiatry. And I was pretty sure on that, you know, coming into med school and that hasn't really changed. Um, and at children's, you get to do child psych instead of just regular adult psych like every other LIC, which is really nice. Um, I also like kids a lot more than I like adults. I'm not really a fan of adults in general. And at Children's, you get to do everything except for uh, internal medicine and family med at Children's. And then most of us have uh, OB-GYN at another site. But I think some of us have Adolescent gynecology is there OB-GYN? I'm not sure. Oh, I don't actually know that either. Yeah. I think, yeah, I had OB-GYN and I am at university. Like, Mm -hmm. the immersions, at least, I think, are all at university. But you're right. My OB-GYN is actually an MFM at Children's. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was the rest of your question? Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. Um, Oh, yeah. Like, how... I think, for me personally, I felt very in the dark about like choosing an LIC site. Like I actually kind of always, part of what I loved about CU Medical School in general, what attracted me to the school was the Children's Hospital because it's just, it's such a unique hospital because it's so renowned, but unlike all the East Coast or like West Coast Children's Hospitals that are also renowned, no one covers the ge- as large of a geographical region as Children's does. So I just thought that that was such a unique opportunity. And so I, for me, it was like a given that I was going to do my rotation at Children's. Mm-hmm. But I did not know at all the nuances between the different sites. And I don't feel like that was very well communicated with our class. And maybe yeah. maybe it was just like my lack of like seeking those answers out. But yeah, so I guess speaking kind of to what do you think makes a Children's site unique or different compared to the other LAC sites and like what have you loved or not loved about that yeah um I think you're totally right that the like information was hard to get at what's different between the sites I think the only formal information that we were given was that one like 
slideshow presentation during one compass week that yeah. was a randomly <laughs> mandatory event i think on like a thursday so half the class wasn't there yeah uh and so i think also like the other sites have a lot of things that maybe push me away from them like va does twice as much inpatient or i guess like half as much outpatient stuff as we do mm -hmm. um so they have six months and six months or nine months i don't know yeah they do a lot more inpatient like traditional blocks yeah and i always thought that like for things that i'm not a fan of like surgery it would be easier to handle like one half day a week than it would be to handle like two months of surgery at once mm -hmm. so that was part of what like pushed me away from that and then denver I, denver health i just didn't want to move that far away <laughs> wanted to stay somewhat clo close to uh, Children's and like the, the Anschutz campus. Mm -hmm. um, things that have been really nice about Children's, pediatricians or like people who work with kids I think tend to be a little bit nicer and have a little bit more of a natural like teaching aspect to them because they're so used to talking with kids and like so used to talking with families and teaching the families about what's going on with their kids. So they have a little bit more of a natural um like acceptance of people not knowing things mm -hmm. that i think i've heard has not really been the case for some other people um like my surgery rotation went fine i don't really enjoy surgery at all and that <laughs> hasn't changed but it wasn't anywhere near like i never felt like anyone was like yelling at me or like had any real conflicts like i, I think some people have had like you know, surgeons yell at them, which is, I don't feel great about that, but that at least hasn't happened to me at Children's, which is really nice. Um, some things I haven't liked, it's just really new. So a lot of things haven't been sorted out and they're sorting things out while we're doing them, mm -hmm. which makes it hard to like plan ahead. Like mm -hmm. I think you were saying that you had done or started to do some assignments a little bit far out and like you couldn't yeah and that sucks yeah i think that i've had a hard time this year parsing out what has been like a universal experience for our class because i think like some of the assignment restructuring has been like true across the board like at all of the lic sites mm -hmm. um but then you're completely right that like we we have not had a long established director um children's has gone through multiple different like directors or coordinators um and so there hasn't been consistent leadership. And so I think that makes it hard because it's hard, you know, it's a difficult thing to be in charge of. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I feel like there's like advantages to disadvantage and disadvantages to the fact that like we are very independent mm -hmm. as like a children's cohort. And I think very, that's true of the LIC experience in general, that like everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And yeah, it's, it's a lot more like on the honor system, but I think especially at children's that uh, there's, yeah, we're very independent. Yeah. Which, you know, pros and cons. Pros and cons, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest pros for me is, like, I enjoy self-directed learning a lot. Um, so, like, I've been honestly struggling with pediatrics clinic because I, it's just, like, there are so many different populations. Like, a six-month-old is such a different visit from an 18-month-old. Mm -hmm. And, like you have them all in the same day. Like, it's not like you can spend a week learning about six months old and then spend a week learning about, you know, one-year-olds and mm -hmm. then spending a week, like, you can't learn it progressively. You're just kind of learning everything at once. Yeah. 
which uh, can be really hard and it takes a while to feel like you're making progress. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I hear a lot like people saying that they don't, that they haven't been learning on like the, the LIC side mm -hmm. and then they learn a lot more during their immersions, which I think is really how it feels. I'm not necessarily sure if that's like true. Like I feel mm -hmm. like I, I am learning a lot in pediatrics just because I'm pushing myself because I know that that's something that's like, you know, that keeps tripping me up. Like, yeah. what am I supposed to ask this mom of this 18 month about that I won't ask, you know, the mom of a three month old about? Right. Yeah. No, that's so true. I think, I really do think this year, again, across the board is like what you make of it mm -hmm. and what you put into it is what you'll get out. Um, and yeah, and I definitely think everybody has, is seeking different, um, experiences mm -hmm. regardless of what site um but yeah it is very and i think that's something that's challenging at children's in general is getting getting hands-on experience because that kind of comes with peds is that people are very protective of kids which is good yeah. great like that's how it should be um but i think that that's a challenge i didn't anticipate going in like i figured that even though I knew that that was true because I'm a med student and I'm supposed to be learning that I would get all the same opportunities that the kids at the VA get or, you know, and mm -hmm. that's just, especially like in surgery, for example, like that is not true at all. Yeah. Like it, again, like you get to see the coolest things in pediatric surgery. Like the surgeries are incredible, but you are watching, mm -hmm. like you are not doing, yeah. <laughs> you do not, you know, I've talked to people who it's like, you are lucky if you get to suture mm -hmm. a port site ever you know and that's you know i think that that's a challenge about the children's side that i didn't necessarily realize was going to be as significant mm -hmm. as it has been yeah absolutely i think you know for surgery that's really true like the there aren't pediatric surgery residents like there are it's a fellowship after you've done something yeah so the attendings are used to working with fellows not like surgical interns mm -hmm. which an intern is still you know a lot farther along than a second year med student so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a fellow is a whole nother step past that so yeah like struggling to yeah I, I think I've gotten to close a few things but I've never even got to do the running subreticular suture mm -hmm. where it's like the very nice like plastics level closure because they're like it's a kid you know you don't want a big scar yeah. on a kid to remind you that you had this like big surgery at children's like mm -hmm. it, that's enough of a memory we don't need a scar that is sutured by second year med student so. <laughs> yeah exactly that's um, the thing it's like you can't even be mad about it because i totally get it but um yeah. yeah kind of like transitioning i was particularly excited to interview you because i don't think that there are a ton of people in our class who went into this year knowing pretty surely what they want to do with their career and sticking to it. I feel like a lot of people went in not really knowing, but even the people I knew like were thought they were sure, their minds have changed. Mm -hmm. So you, I feel like, are a very unique case um, where you've always wanted to do psych and you've now realized, I think, from this year that you want to do child psychiatry. Mm -hmm. I was curious if you could speak to how you approached and successfully 
um, got through immersions that you knew you were not interested in at all, which is yeah. probably most of the immersions that you've done. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that they are grueling, even if you are interested in them. And it's so hard to be motivated if you're not. And so I was just kind of curious if you could speak to that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of uh, paradoxical in that knowing that you're interested in something makes it even harder to do a good job in that specialty. Like my first immersion was psych. And I felt like because I knew that I wanted to do that, I was even like hesitant to share that because the expectations are so much higher instantly. It's like, (laughs) all right, you want to do this? Well, let's like teach you absolutely everything about this specialty that you might be interested in, Uh, which, you know, adds a lot more pressure and makes it like feel a lot more intense. Um, And then like I was completely forthcoming about the fact that I was interested in psych when I was in my surgery immersion, which was after my psych emergence, my second immersion. And that made it a lot easier because the attendings were like, I'm not going to, you know, pimp you on ridiculously hard stuff because you're just going into psych. So I just kind of got to like learn whatever I was interested in learning. And I tried to find things that I was interested in. Um, But like, I didn't have to deal with the, the additional pressure of that. Um, it's also, you know, I think it takes a lot of cognitive load to be constantly like seeing yourself in different specialties. Um, like, I don't, I don't know what it's like for people who don't have an idea of what they want to do. Um, I think most people in our class have some ideas or at least ideas of what they don't want to do, Yeah. but there are a few people that have no clue what they want to do. And so every single rotation, they just are like imagining what their life would be like in that specialty and I think that would take for me that would take a lot of energy out of you know my head so um yeah I think it's been really nice and I did have a little bit more of a like I've been considering adding in pediatrics and doing like child psych and pediatrics um and that came just because I was on my pediatrics rotation like did almost no psych and loved it so much um and I was still definitely like, anytime we had something that was psych adjacent, I was like, this is, <laughs> this is really where I want to be. Yeah. Um, but it was like, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's really nice because you get to have the comfort of knowing that like, this is just the one exposure that you're going to have to that. Like mm-hmm. my OB-GYN immersion, um, it was really honestly like enjoyable because it was the happiest immersion that I'd been on because I was on labor and delivery for one of the weeks and it was like almost all of those are really really happy visits yeah like we had one um induction termination which was like you know obviously not happy at all but the rest of it like even people who are being induced for like um hypertension or preeclampsia at like 36 weeks and like that's a big stressful event it's like still after eight 12 hours there's this happy moment and like the rest of it doesn't really matter anymore so that isn't something that you get even on like you know general pediatrics where it's like everyone's there either it's an inconvenience because they're just there to like get their shots and get their kid checked up and like talk about what's been good and usually bad for the last however many months yeah or the kid is sick and that's like stressful. Right. But then OB was like totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was nice because I was like, this is so cool and this is such a happy specialty, but I also 
don't want to do <laughs> you don't want to do it all so. no i think you bring up two great points one that and this is advice that i think is seems obvious but it's good to remind yourself of just like always having an open mind mm -hmm. in this year because i think it will surprise you the things that you love and the things that you enjoyed and um i think yeah that's a great point because i i know that um I would have imagined going into this year knowing what you'd want to do would actually be make it harder. Mm -hmm. But you bring up a great point that you were able to just like enjoy the little pick out the things you loved about every rotation without needing to like stress over what am I going to do? Is this the thing that I actually want to do with the rest of my life? Because that does mm -hmm. take a lot of um, yeah mental effort. And uh, the other point that you brought up that I think is a huge one and like a huge myth that I want to dispel slash I wish somebody had dispelled for me mm -hmm. um, was that like you don't have to pretend in especially as the year goes on like a lot of people might not know what they want to do at the beginning but I think people do make phenomenal progress in narrowing things down mm -hmm. throughout the year and you do not have to pretend like you're you are interested in going into whatever specialty you're currently rotating with like they yeah don't actually care and they're not going to be like the residents the physicians um they're not going to be offended by you saying i actually have no interest in your specialty you know mm -hmm. because i think as long as you're respectful and you're still showing up every day and trying it's actually beneficial for you and them because they they are going to seek out the patients that most fit with what you're interested in within their specialty mm -hmm. so i like i've heard multiple classmates say that that like actually on ob specifically, that, um, you know, anytime that it was like something surgical, they, the residents all went out of their way to throw that med student into the room mm -hmm. because they, you know, whereas like the ones who didn't want, knew they wanted to do IM or something, it was like, oh yeah, they have this IM history. I don't know, some, <laughs> some like medicine, if you can yeah. tell I'm not going into IM, um, but you know, and it's, um, I think that that is a really good way to make the most out of every rotation and make it as enriching as possible is being forthcoming with what your actual interests are because everyone's going to ask you mm -hmm. and I always thought it would be this like awkward thing where you'd have to like pretend to be interested in it and you know like fake it essentially mm -hmm. for four weeks or however long it is um yeah and so that's just kind of a great point that you brought up that I wanted to highlight because I think that's so true after you know five days of 12 hour days of labor and delivery. I was like, I don't really like want to be here. <laughs> I just yeah. want to go home and sleep. Cause that was my first uh, six day a week rotation. Oh yeah. And I was like, well, I just, I have to be here. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not going to you know, like complain about the fact that I have to be here. I'm just going to like find something that I can enjoy while I'm here. Um, and I think people connect with that. Like it's a lot harder to connect with um, people genuinely if you are faking an interest in something yeah you know and there's so much overlap in medicine that like there's always going to be something like there are going to be surgical things on ob -GYN. there are going to be internal medicine complications on ob mm -hmm. there are going to be psych complaints on ob -GYN. like um substance use is a big one like yeah. how they have to deal with controlling someone's um substance history while they're in the last stages of their pregnancy because mm -hmm. it's like minimizing the withdrawal risk to the mom but also you know minimizing the exposure to the fetus yeah so like even that stuff is psych adjacent so yeah no that's such a great point the other question i wanted to um, ask and have you speak to is like 
what general advice do you have for the first years as they transition into their clinical year and especially in the realm of LIC? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would say is this year is all subjective because pretty much all of medicine when you're actually practicing it is subjective. There's like some objective measures like lab values, but then all of the interpretation is subjective Mm -hmm. and all of your grades are subjective. Like no one is grading you on the fact that you like had an answer to their question. They're grading you on how they feel about you, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, we can talk all day about whether or not that's a good grading system, but Mm -hmm. that is what the system is. (laughs) And I think I, you know, hear and see people struggling with that a lot because they are trying to impress an attending or a resident by showing them how much they know, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, connecting with that resident or that attending. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, frankly, like we are a second year med student, there's no way that we can know enough to impress an attending more than like, they have been impressed by third-year med students in the past. Right. Like, that's a bit, you know, egotistical to think that we, having, you know, starting a year early can be more impressive than people who had an extra year in the past. Right. Assuming that, you know, we aren't, like, smarter than <laughs> all the people that have come before us, which, again, that's where the ego part comes in. Yep. <laughs> so it's just about, like, connecting with people, which is really important and also is really hard for some people Mm -hmm. for sure yeah so I think recognizing that and trying to uh, see this year as an opportunity to learn as much as possible about like the actual practice of medicine and recognizing that like there's a reason that they say it's like the art of medicine Mm -hmm. and it's all about connecting with the patient or connecting with your resident or connecting with your attending and that is how things are going to like turn out well on your evaluations as opposed to like impressing someone by having an answer when they're pimping you for the 18th time. Yeah. I think that is such a huge point. And again, something that it took me so long to figure out and I wish I had believed it in the beginning, but they don't care about Mm -hmm. you. And I don't mean that in like a horrible, like obviously they care about you as a person, but like, it is the most, it feels like the most humiliating thing when you mess up as a med student, like whether or not you, touch something you weren't supposed to touch or you know you drop something or you answer a question wrong or you have no idea what what they're even trying to ask you like Mm -hmm. that's the worst the read my mind questions where I'm like I don't even know where to begin to answer this you know and I think so often you will replay that incident in your head all over and over all day long all week long and you messing up is not something they actually care all that much about mostly because they're too busy doing their actual job which is taking Mm -hmm. care of this patient and also to your point they don't they know we're med students like they pimp us because they want us to get it wrong because that means that we're about to learn something and Mm -hmm. then they're doing their job which is teaching us you Mm -hmm. know and i think that that's something i mean obviously don't be unprepared, like, you know, do your best to prepare for every situation. And I had an attending say that to me once that they, ideally, we don't know the answer because Mm -hmm. then we're learning, you know? And so I think that's something I wish that I had learned sooner because it would have saved me a lot of like 
mental distress of mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, this person hates me now or thinks I'm stupid or, you know, and thinks they got the dud this yeah. week. And that's not the case at all. And more often than not, they uh, recognize more how you handle being wrong or messing up than whether you messed up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that's, yeah, something that everybody should just tell themselves over and over again for the first few months because it's really hard to, mm -hmm. to tell yourself that and to actually believe that. Um, and we're used to being high-performing individuals, so it is hard to be put in a situation where you constantly feel like you're failing and you're yeah. not, you know? It's a big, like, mind shift because the first year you are trying to know absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And then the second year, your job is to mess up. Like you are a med student and you are there to learn. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't messing up, then you aren't putting yourself forward into situations like, I'm not saying like try to do something in surgery that yeah. like, <laughs> you haven't been told to do. Um, but my uh, internal medicine rotation, my second week, the attending was like, your presentations have been fine, but you don't ever like commit to a plan mm -hmm. like you're trying to show me that you've thought about all these possible options but like that doesn't help me like I can't give you a like advice on your plan because you don't have a plan yeah you're telling me these are all the ways that, that we could go and I know all the ways that we can go <laughs> yeah. so just like put your dime down and tell me what you think we should do and yes. when you're wrong I'll tell you that you're wrong and when you're right you got it right and yeah. that's good yeah so like just commit and go from there yes um because, yeah, like, your job as a med student is to mess up. Because right. everyone messes up at points. And, like, better to mess up during your second year of med school than <laughs> yeah. while you're a resident or, like, practicing as a physician. Yeah. That's the other thing I'll say. Because I had the exact same experience in am where I thought that I was being, I was there to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't going to put my money on a diagnosis because I'm, like, I know that I don't know what's going on, you know? Yeah. And so I'm not going to mess this up for the rest of the team and I think I just it took me a while to figure out that they actually don't need my help you know like they, yeah. they actually like me putting money on a diagnosis is not and being wrong doesn't mess up anyone's day because they actually did not entrust in me the patient's care you're playing doctor like at the end of the day there are things that you can do that are helpful as a med student, but really you are there to learn and to play doctor mm -hmm. and to learn from that experience. And I'm not actually all that helpful to them uh, that they're letting me round on a patient, not because it like takes a load off of them. They already rounded on that patient. Like yeah. They are not trusting me to do it all. It's totally for my learning experience. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you're completely... Uh, completely right in mentioning that because that's such a good anecdote I think everyone had that experience on I am where you really just have to send it into knowing you're probably wrong but doing it anyways you know yeah any final thoughts you want to share with the first years um shelf exams mm. so the NBME shelf exams I think have been the most helpful thing like by far the um, practice for exams. me yeah yeah because you know there are, I think, four for each shelf. There are 200 questions, and each one of the MBMEs have, like, the uh, educational pearl that they want you to get out of that question. And then you only have to get, you know, 50 to 60 questions right on the actual exam. And so far, I've seen, like, not the question itself completely repeated, but definitely the pearl repeated i'm like if they're telling me about you know this mom with painless bleeding coming in at you know the 30 
fourth week. I'm like, okay, I know what this is because I remember the hurl about listen to radio. So that's been uh, really helpful. Um, and I think, you know, recognizing that it's $20 per shelf exam is maybe more than is accessible to some people. I will say I've heard people um, like get together with like a couple of friends who are taking the same shelf exam and everyone purchases a different practice test version because mm -hmm. uh, you're right there's like a handful of versions on the MBME website and then it's you can't retake the test but you can like cover up the answer the right answer and try to like just walk yourself through even just to review and read mm -hmm. through what the explanation was what the right answer was is so helpful and so that's a good way to get around the you know if everyone plays 20 bucks that's a lot easier than forking yeah. out 80 to 100 bucks yourself and I think like you know Amboss was maybe like 400 or 500 dollars for like a year with the um, discount yeah, yeah and you know if i spent 80 dollars on each of the five shelf exams that's 400 dollars yeah. and like so far i've definitely used the nbme exams way more than i've used amboss just because i don't have the discipline to be like constantly practicing questions oh interesting so uh it's a more stressful way to do it for sure but it's uh, higher yields, I think, than just like cranking through emboss questions. Yeah, do you mind me asking? Because that's something that I kind of just figured this year. Everyone has to just bite the bullet and get the U World subscription or the emboss subscription, and yeah. you just have to be constantly plowing through questions. Um, and you know, there's also MedEd videos, but those recently became a subscription service. They're not free anymore, mm -hmm. which is a huge bummer. Um, but I have not actually heard of people just kind of just relying on the MBME practice tests. Um, you yeah. have you found that to be successful? Yeah, I so I bought Amboss because I also thought that like you know you have to pick either Amboss or UWorld, and some people were saying like do one for this and then save the other one for step prep. And so I bought it, and my surgery shelf was at the end of my IM month, mm. and I was you know lazy and didn't start studying for the surgery shelves until about a month ahead of time mm -hmm. which was not you know what they had recommended but I was like oh well yeah too bad oh yeah absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and I started doing emboss questions but like the the mix is hard to do because the five hammer surgery questions aren't going hammer is the difficulty rating on emboss so the hardest questions on emboss are not going to be asked on the shelf or if they are, they're going to be some of the 10 that don't count. Mm -hmm. Like you aren't expected to know these super rare genetic conditions that are going to impact the surgery somehow. Mm -hmm. And then the one like hammer questions are so basic that like it was hard for me to feel like I was learning from them. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the time, like I think you could use it in a way similar to how I'm using the, the shelf exams where I like take the question and then read through the explanation and like try to understand what the core concept is that they want me to know. Um, but I just, I didn't really do that with the AMBOSS questions because there are so many of them. So I was like, if there's a thousand surgery questions, I can just like do you know, 10 a day, that would be 100 days, uh, 20 a day. <laughs> and in 50 days, I will have done all of the surgery questions and like, that'll go great. But it's stressful to like get, you know, easy questions wrong and like really hard questions, you know, maybe right, but also very frequently wrong. Mm -hmm. So the, the shelf exams, I felt like 
were helpful because not only did I get the information, but then I had a like NVMe predicted score. So I could like measure how I was improving and how I was predicted to do on the, the surgery shelf. Um, and that went totally fine. And then the OB-GYN, uh, I wanted to start studying pretty far ahead because I didn't enjoy the stressful <laughs> time of studying for sur surgery. You're kidding. <laughs> and I, you know, started out by taking a couple like AMBOSS uh, practice runs of questions and like did fine in like beginning of January. And then I was like, all right, I'm just gonna you know, like forget about this for a couple of weeks. Like that wasn't really an intentional choice, but that's just kind of what happened. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and then it was like two weeks or three weeks before I'll be dying. And I was like, I have to start studying. Because <laughs> AJ and I were talking about it every week. We were like, this is getting bad. <laughs> like, we're getting really close to this exam and we have not done any yeah. studying. Uh, so um, just started taking those shelf exams and like, you know, print out the the information that they want you to understand and like read it and then take the next one. And then like a lot of the, the core concepts reoccur. So then by the time you take the last one, it's like, okay, you were going to pass. Yeah. Um, and that makes it a lot less stressful because you also don't have to deal with the like conversion of like, oh, is Amboss harder than the shelf or is Amboss easier than the shelf? Like these are the official shelf questions that you're working from. So right. the, the writing is really similar, the answer choices are really similar, um, and the core concepts are the same. So if you don't mind me asking, mm -hmm. for the OB-GYN exam, for example, uh, you passed. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like you knew enough to pass or do you feel like you learned and like what you were supposed to learn from the OB-GYN shelf setting? Yeah, I feel like I got a lot of the really core concepts down. Okay. Like that was definitely, the NBME practice exams give you the really core concepts for sure. Okay. Um, I think what probably pushed me from like barely passing into like the, you know, strong pass range was actually surgery studying. I had a lot of like, um, breast exam questions mm. like breast cancer and like what do you do and all of those were in the practice surgery shelves um and then they were also on our actual shelf exam which was ridiculous like <laughs> there was so much so much breast cancer stuff on the surgery shelf it was ridiculous but then there was also a lot of that on the ob guy mm -hmm. so i'm also hopeful that like maybe not so much psych but internal medicine i think will be a lot easier than surgery was because we will have done all of this you know like surgery and then OBI yeah. and then peds and it's like well you've been practicing all of these big NVME questions and like right they overlap yeah, exactly yeah so they overlap helps a lot um and the core concepts I definitely got from the practice exams okay and so you for the OB guy setting mm -hmm. you took four practice exams mm -hmm. and how many inbox questions do you think you did total um maybe a hundred okay that's super interesting mm -hmm. I that's really unique I'm glad that you spoke about this because I yeah figured everybody was studying the exact same way this year and yeah um I yeah that's good to know that there's some variation out there. I think it's whatever's um you know easiest for you to handle. I like like taking the exam and then studying from the right answers and like remembering why that was right and then working on another question. But you can definitely learn from like the gestalt or gestalt I don't know is that that <laughs> <word>? <laughs> of like 
I have answered a thousand OBIN questions and I don't know necessarily like why this is the right answer, but I'm certain that this is the right answer, mm -hmm. which is what a lot of clinicians do. I mean, that's all of residency is you're just learning how to know the diagnosis right. internally. You're not like working through a real differential yeah. until you actually have to. Um, because you just you just know it. And yes. That, it's that kind of like subconscious learning. And that's what I think AMBOSS is about. Mm -hmm. So if you have the discipline to crank through a thousand questions, that's definitely a way to go and it definitely works. And that's mm -hmm. a reason a lot of people do it. But if you're like me and you just want to pass with like <laughs> kind of as, as minimal time as possible, I think the MVME are definitely the highest yield resource. Yeah, that's cool too that you said you felt like you got the core knowledge out of it because mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of the whole point of the shelf exams in general is that making sure we're standardizing what we're all learning mm -hmm. um, during this clinical year. So as long as you're getting that out of it, then that seems like a productive way to go. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, well, thank you so much for sitting down with me and yeah, doing this interview. Um, I hope that all the first years uh, gleaned as much from this as honestly I did. It was great talking to you about it. So, this is fun. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of In the Vein. We'd like to thank our interviewees for helping make this podcast possible. If you have ideas for an episode or have a suggestion for how to make our show better, please reach out to us at inthevainpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.